It's an unbridled assurance, non-penetrable. Say that, non-penetrable. Confidence that cannot be shaken. Faith is different than anything because nothing affects it. Once you have biblical faith, wind, storms, circumstances, nothing changes. For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what makes that work. We come to the point where we say God said it and that simply settles it. You can debate all you want to, but I'm not in the debate. It's a settled thing. So I'm ecstatic to have knowledge of the cogency of the of biblical faith that is taught in the Word of God and how to implement it. That's the thing we can learn. I have an interesting, now he, he won't mind if I bring this up, but he was a part of Apollo 11. We just developed this friendship just in, 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 just in the last couple of months. And uh, he was there when the Apollo 11 went up. He was part of that team. And I saw the certification and so on. And he's been just attached to our ministry. And I got a kick out of him the other day. He said, Brother Dave, he said, I'm listening as best I can. He said, I'm still trying to get my mouth straightened up so I'm not talking negative. And, you know, he's following as we went along. But biblical faith is different than anything else because it changes your whole life. It changes your lifestyle, changes the way you talk, it changes the way you feel about others. That's why it's life changing. It should be that way, as you know. So once we have become totally acquiescent, we just get, become vulnerable, we just make ourselves vulnerable to God, to the Word of God, and we permit it to be paramount and preeminent part of our belief system. It's not some little game we're playing, some little tiddlywinks game. I may ever play tiddlywinks, and I didn't think there was anybody left that knew anything, ever heard of the game tiddlywinks. But it becomes a part of your belief system, and we're going to get uh, premium and platinum results when we do it God's way. And so many people are so disappointed in their walk with the Lord because they don't go all the way. They go part way, and then they, they think that it's not what it's all cracked up to be. But once you have this infrangible, impervious, uncompromising, uh, don't you love the English language? I'd say it's one of the greatest languages of the world for description. There are other languages that are very good. In fact, uh, you know, Hebrew and Greek is one or two of the languages that are, they're very full. In other words, one word in Greek, you almost take two or three words in English, and same thing as Hebrew. But nonetheless, aside from that, and at least from my vantage point as an English-speaking person, I just appreciate how descriptive we can be about the good things of God. The English language allows us to do that, and I appreciate it. But when you become convinced without a shadow of a doubt, it produces exponential. I mean, it just kind of keep, keeps going. You know, let, let me just... Some of these words touch me because they remind me about what it's going to be like when we're in heaven. You know how we are on earth. It don't matter how good it is. We can get real ecstatic about it and we can enjoy it and everything and then it kind of passes away. Then we're looking for the next thrill, the next thing that'll turn us on or the next thing that'll make us happy, the next thing that'll, that'll get our attention. But the difference when you get to heaven is it'll never end. 
If you could bottle together every pleasure that you've ever had since you were a little kid to the time you've grown up to where you are now, if you could put all the pleasures, the good times, the good feelings, all that, if you could put it together, and you know that would be something if you could put it all together, it will not compare with how you will feel every moment of your time with the Lord in heaven. It's just incomprehensible how it will last because we're limited here on earth by time, by space, by, by experience, you know, and it comes and goes. But I, I, God is so big that he will continue exponentially reveal himself day by day so you'll think you've had, man, this was great. And the next day, well, this was great. This was greater. You'll run out of words. You'll run out of words to say how great he really is. So there's an exhilarating feeling inside when you're sure and know that you know that you know that your hand is in the hand of the man that'll never let you down. Oh, I give him praise, hallelujah. And it brings me to that good old 11th chapter of Hebrews and someone was preaching the other day in our church and they remembered they had been here before and they said, and they mentioned Hebrews chapter 11 and they said, of course, uh, if you've been attending Trinity, you've heard it a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. Well, I'm going to give it to you again. Let's make it 1,001 times. Now I'll give it to you in the Amplified. Now faith is. That's what I love about faith. It never gets old. It's never antiquated. Hallelujah. Stands up today just as real as it ever was. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed. Praise God for that title deed of the things that we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see. See, if you're only limited by what you see, that'd be pretty limited. Not limited by what we see. And the conviction of their reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Let's do this together. <clears throat> now, if you take it a mouthful like that, it'll make you clear your throat. The substance of faith. Let's look at, I'm going to go back over this. This, this. this is just too great to pass up. Now think about this. This is the birth of Jesus. And I know one Christian religion wants to eulogize Mary and put her up and wants us to pray to her and, and so on. But I want you to see how this started. You know, there's even a teaching I've heard that they believe that Mary's birth was an immaculate conception. And not only Jesus, of course, was. But let's just look at this and let's see, see what the Bible says about it. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. She was betrothed. Yes, she was in a, it's more than just a simple engagement. We think of it now, but it's a step beyond that. It's a commitment for sure. You're going to marry the person. But even in that kind of relationship, the virginity was guaranteed. And Mary knew that was the case in her, in her life. It said it was to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David. And the virgin's name, boy, just keeps punching out that idea. It was Mary. And then in the, in the 29th verse, and when she saw him, well, first of all, let's go back to verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, I want you to see how foreign it was to her when the angel came and spoke to her. 
She was not ready for this. The angel said, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, that is the angel, she was troubled at his saying. She said, What in the world is going on? It sounded like foreign to her. So you go on, then you go on, and then uh, we find the angel saying, Now listen, Mary, uh, behold, you're going to conceive. And in your womb and bring forth a son. He tells all about this and he will be great. And he will reign over the house of, of Jacob forever. And then after all that, here's Mary again. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Now notice how clear she is. She said, I do not know a man. And at that time, there was no other way for a woman to be pregnant. And obviously she had intimacy with man. The seed had to come from the man. She knew that was impossible. But notice what happened. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit, now watch how the birth is here. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One that's going to be born shall be called the Son of God. And then look how Mary answered. She finally got, got it. See, some get it, some don't. She took a while before she got it. Verse 38. Then Mary said, then, then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's the process. What I like about that, it is the it is, the, it is the, the epitome of how, what shall I say, it's the crux of what faith is really like, what it's made up of. Notice she had to hear the promise. It seemed incredible to her. It wasn't until she was convinced that the Holy Spirit would come upon her because she had never been with a man. If she was going to be with child, it had to be something beyond that. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to overshadow you. And you have to understand, I know this gets explicit, and some don't like explicit preaching, but I don't know how else to put it. She had to be impregnated with a seed. Normally the man impregnates the woman with a seed, and the seed goes to the ovum or to the egg, and, then, and the egg is fertilized when it gets together and the, and the child is born. But you have to say it's the seed of the man. Now, that's important because we're going to look at that a little bit more as, as we go along here. Now, notice, it said, let it be to me according to your word, not to my understanding. I can figure out. She received the word and conceived it. That's all she had was the word. She conceived it in her womb, the womb of her spirit. Faith is the ability to conceive what God has declared, no matter how impossible it seems. Boy, this is good stuff. I'm telling you one thing. Once Mary conceived the word in her spirit, it was manifested physically. It'll never manifest physically in your life until you get it in your spirit. How's that? Praise God. She was able to accept what was told her before she had any evidence. That's what you call Bible faith. 
That's why I say it's unbridled, it's non-penetrable, because it's faith in something that goes beyond human understanding. There was no human way that could have happened. So there's a spirit life in God's Word. And that's had to happen to Mary. So the Holy Spirit did the work that normally a father or husband would do. And so she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And notice we call it God's Son because the Father sent His seed through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit and overshadowed Mary. That's what makes it an, an immaculate conception, folks. Wasn't a normal birth. That's why we don't call him just a man. He's a God-man. Oh, hallelujah. I, pardon me. The goosebumps are lifting up my jacket a little bit. I just can't help it. Spirit life and God, this consummate power is capable of bringing to pass what God has promised, and in order for it to work, one must receive it and then conceive it. Say, say receive it, receive. then conceive it. Receive. Tell your neighbor, you got to receive it and conceive it, and then you have it. <laughs> the Word became flesh. Now, watch, we're going to put this into perspective here so you can see it all. Look at John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh. You see it? The Word became flesh. So you can understand why we can say that the seed of the woman was not from a man. It was from Heavenly Father. Are you still listening? It's getting a little, getting a little, little I see it's getting a little quietish. It's getting a little ickish. Some word like that. The Word became flesh. This is the incisive key to understanding the virgin birth. Remember, God's Word is full of faith and power. God unambiguously spoke to Mary through an angel and by doing so, transmitted an image to her. That's what faith is, an image. You say, I don't believe in visualization. No, you'll never get anything. It's okay. It's your, your problem. Faith sees something that nobody else can see. Yes, it's not visible in the natural realm because you're looking beyond the natural realm. You're looking like through radar. You see the end from the beginning. <laughs> or the beginning from the end. I don't know how you would put that properly. <laughs> but an image. After the angel described her, what was going to happen? She saw that image and accepted it. It was only after she accepted it and that process was complete that she became pregnant. And nine months later, she gave birth to Jesus, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. So she received the image inside her. She heard the word and then spoke it. Notice what she said there. After she finally got it, got it inside and received it, she said, let it be to me as you said. I, in other words, I received the word. No longer... How can this be? You notice that all went by the wayside. She heard the word and then spoke it, and the placidity of her faith came. Romans 10, 19 tells us, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can hear it many other ways, but true faith that moves mountains comes 
from the book. Hallelujah. I said it comes from the Word of God. Are you listening? She immediately began to say what God said. Notice she began to say what he said. Instead of saying what she thought. See, she had her own logic. Nothing wrong with that. She was a decent person. She was a, a lovable person. She was a handmaiden. She had a good reputation. She was not renowned by any means, but everything proves that she was trying to do the best she could to follow the prophetic teachings and all that that was in her day. And so she is waiting now to see what's going to happen. So having accomplished his assignment, the angel then leaves. But notice she got it first. She got it. Now we should note that the embryo, that is the seed, that was in Mary's womb was the word of God. Are you listening? I said, John, let's go to John again. Let's go to John 1 first, John 1. 1, 1 first, let's look at this. Let's look to, to see what the extent of what happened here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the, it goes some more, verse 2. He was in the beginning with God, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Now watch this next verse in 14. And in him was life, and life was life, here it is. And the Word, now notice what became flesh. The Word, that was the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you can see how this began to manifest in Mary. Now Peter shed some light on this in 1 Peter 1.23 having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we can see even in that being born again, the word of God is that living, incorruptible seed. The Amplified says you have been regenerated, that is born again, not from a mortal origin, a seed, a sperm, but from what that it, one that is immortal, everlasting word of the living God coming in you. So we know that medical science tells us that a woman does not have a seed. This is going to help us here because when you look at Genesis 3.15, can we get 3.15 up here from Genesis? And I will put image between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Woman doesn't have a seed. The sperm is the seed. And the Holy Spirit provided this. And the Word was made flesh. I don't know, think you're getting this. And between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Oh, that is so good, I can taste it. <clears throat> In Genesis 3, 15, it said, God refers to the woman's seed. He was talking about the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Mary conceived the Word in her spirit. It manifests itself in her physical body, and the Word was made flesh. One translation says, and the Word took on flesh. And you wonder, everything that Jesus said was so, Im, 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 so, so important. And you wonder what the sayings of Jesus, and it, that's why the Gospels are so important to the Christian. That's how, why we should be reading the Word of God and trusting the Word of God. She believed, he got into her spirit, and nine months later, she had the baby. Look at Mark 11:24. 24, see how it works with you when you're trying to get something. 
Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Believe that you will receive them. That's the whole secret, being able to believe and trust God. So the lesson to be gleaned here is not to wait until the last minute and wait till some crisis happens in your life to develop your faith. It's time to do it now. It's time to begin studying the Word of God for yourself. It's time to get over the Word of God and not trying to read it as fast as you can and, and just hurrying up trying to get finished with that book so you can read the next book and say you read the whole Bible. Why not say, Father in heaven, you know my natural mind. You know how limited I am. I pray that as I read today that you will allow your Holy Spirit to open my mind so that I can, I can receive the truth and let it conceive in my spirit. It'll get so strong inside me that the devil can't move it. He can't move me. I shall not be moved. My God, we used to sing it. Some of the old songs come to mind. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters. Bless God, my roots go down deep. Oh, hallelujah. Now there's time to shout. I don't see you shouting now. Praise God. I'm giving you, I'm giving you some shouting ground here. Praise his holy name. See, applying this truth to our finances, for instance. Look at Luke 6, 38. It says, as you confess the truth, give and it shall be given unto you. See, it's not just that God wants you poor and just trying to force you to, you know, just look, you know, like they, you used to have to look like a Christian. That was really interesting try to look like a Christian. You know, you had to look. There was a certain kind of look. You had to have long. Everything had to be long, long. Certainly don't expose your ankles. And don't you do that. And you know what I mean. I don't mean to make fun because it was done sincerely. But that's not holiness. That's just an act that you're putting on. Holiness is not on the outside. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looking at your heart. How you just stand inside there. So as you confess the truth of the gospel, you see it begin to happen in your life. It'll begin to affect you. So receiving the word is like receiving the spirit of life. That is the promise. It's life. When you get it in your spirit, you conceive that promise spiritually. And when it comes into, it comes into physical form, that's what happened with Mary. She had to believe it first spiritually. She had to conceive Receive it, conceive it, and then the physical results. And that's the same it's going to be with you. You concede the promise, which makes way for the physical manifestation. Let's confess 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Look at this. God, and this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Do it with the right attitude and not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. Let each, and, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, get all you need, that you having all sufficiency. See, God's not cheap, not cheapskate. That you have all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So that's why he says, give and it shall be given unto you. It's the biggest joy of my life. I love to do it. 
I was a little, I see a little woman who was, I was waiting for Sister Myrna. I was at Walmart and some little, little thin little girl, she was taking her lunch break or something. She was sitting all by herself right by the wall. So I was parked in such a place where it wasn't too far away and I, I kept looking and I said, God kept speaking to my heart. I said, okay, Lord, I'll go over and give her a $10 bill. He said, I didn't say that. I sat there a little bit long and I was hoping the girl would get up and get up and go inside the place, go back to work. And I heard it just like it was your voice that's out loud in my spirit that said, go and give her $50. I thought, oh my Lord, God. I kind of shook a little bit on that. So I waited a little bit longer and I hoped that she would go. Well, I, I keep my money in a clip like this, you know, my money's in the clip. So I had to, I figured, I hope by the time I get it out, she'll be gone. Because it was, you know, the 50 was in the middle, it wasn't on the outside, so I had to pull it out of the clip and open it out there and get it out, you know, and then put the other back in the clip and all this time's gone by and this girl's still sitting there like this. So I walk on over to her, I say, hey sis, I said, I don't know if you're a Christian or what you are, but I said, God spoke to me to come and give you this. When I gave it to her, her eyes got as big as saucers, and she thought it was five or ten dollar bill. I said, look at it, and she opened it up and it was a fifty dollar bill. But you know what? I bet I got more of that than her. Now, am I trying to boast on that? No, I'm just trying to tell you, give and it shall be given unto you. We did that one day. We went in the restaurant. A nice restaurant too. Is on Sunday afternoon. He's eating there, real nice, and pretty soon we went to get the bill, and she said it's paid for. I said, "Who paid for it?" And there was some guy standing there. He he was just bubbling. He was standing by the cash register. I wanted to know. I wanted to know how much it was and all. I could. I wanted to give the tip, even if somebody paid for it. And the guy said, "I shouldn't tell you, but I, she said I think they're sitting back there in that back row." I didn't try to find out who they were. But that's the way God is. So, so the scriptures will work if you'll just put them to work. Give and it shall be given unto you. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant, this in the Amplified, later on gives crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more seed to plant. It never ends. It's ongoing. Oh, I wish you was getting as much out of this as me. The Holy Spirit serves as the conception center of everything. You obey him and things happen. I said, things happen. The process begins when we begin to confess the word and apply it personally. It takes time to get it into your spirit. We must realize that this is not a fad. This is a life. Not a little fad, some euphemisms and little things we can quote. And No, this is a lifestyle that you believe and walk. And that's why the brother writes back and he said, Brother Dave, I'm trying to practice this. I'm having a little time with this negative thing. Maybe you are too. Praise God. We must realize this is not a fad. The promise of bearing the Son of God was not a fad. He came, the angel came, and exactly as he promised, it happened. But it took a supernatural infusion of God's word before she could have Jesus. Remember the parable of the sower? I'm gonna end with this. You remember, you know, the parable of the sower, it, you, normally that's the way the parables end, it says parable of the sower. So you just look at it and you have to figure it out for yourself. But if you look at the fourth chapter of Mark there, it explains, rarely too, rarely, it explains the parable. He says the parable of the seed is the parable of the word. 
So he makes it very clear and he begins to spell out. And he tells about three different categories of people that hear what you heard today or something like this truth of God. And some get it and they last for a little while, but because it didn't get in deep enough, they fall by the wayside. That's 25% of the people. 25%, another 25, that makes 50 already, percent of the people. They get it and they get real happy and then the affairs of life come in and circumstances and they, they fall away from it. And it goes down and explains three categories of people who hear the word and do not get it. And then at the end, it talks about the one group, the 25% who get it. And it says to them, they begin to produce 30, 60, 100-fold return. God wants to use you. God wants your faith. He wants your solid faith in him. And if you believe in him, he'll never let you down because every word that he promises, he will keep. He's got the goods and he'll not let you down. Trust him with all your heart. <laughs>